Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. My name is Greg Frank. We're going to hear from, of course, our CEO, Mike Niemer, in just a minute and our guest, Tim Eccles, on this podcast. Hope everybody's days are going well thus far. We're going to try and make them that much better here on the Green Insider. And before we get to the podcast guest, Mike has a few words for us as well. So Mike's going to take it from here and then we get into our big guest, Tim Eccles. It's the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. Here's Mike. Mike Niemer here, CEO of eRenewable. We know today, whether you're a public company, private equity, or a privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And we welcome you into the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. This is episode 188 of the podcast. My name is Greg Frank, alongside eRenewable CEO, Mike Niemer. Mike, good to be with you again. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Thank you. Uh, we've had a couple where uh, I've had it uh, solo, and because you've been off and other things, so that's great to have you back on, and uh, I appreciate you joining us again today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Certainly uh, good to be a part of the podcast in whatever capacity I can be a part of, and I'm along for the full ride this time as we bring on our guest on episode 188. He is Tim Eccles from the Georgia Public Service Commission, the vice chair of the Public Service Commission there in Georgia. Tim, thank you for your time. How are you? Hey, great. I I love being vice chair, and I've been vice chair for maybe eight years because it's it's, uh, half the glory with none of the work. Uh, so right. it, <laughs> no, it's uh, we have we we have great chairs and we elect our chairs in Georgia. But I am on the road so much, traveling around Georgia, around the country, around the world, really just uh, talking about some of the great things happening in Georgia. So uh, I know you were on the podcast back on episode ten, which was a while back now. So why don't you fill everybody in that maybe hasn't listened to episode ten or like I wasn't with. The Green Insider at that point in time about what you guys do at the Georgia Public Service Commission, how you got involved and, uh, you know, kind of how 2023 has been so far. You know, usually uh, the governor and states appoint these commissioners. Uh, That's the way they do it in about 40 states. So there are 10 states that elect commissioners and often say that uh, that if you can appoint anybody you want as governor, you probably will pick the smartest, the Harvard, the Stanford, the, the UNC, the Georgia Tech, uh, uh, you know, person. Uh, but when an election is going on, you've got to, you got a lot of other variables, right? You've got to be able to get out there, meet people, build affinity with them, make a connection with them. So you may not get the absolute smartest people on the uh, on, on commissions when you elect them, but you definitely get people that are accessible, available, that are responsive. And that's really what I strive to be in our state. I've been on for now 13 years. I love this job. And I understand uh, you mentioned before we jumped on that you have a radio show. So it seems like uh, 
you are very much uh, an extroverted people person. And, and I imagine when you're the vice chair of any company, it, it pays to have good personal skills, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's important to, you know, get educated about this stuff, to educate the consumers, my constituents. So we are, you know, we are 230 episodes into our podcast weekly. We're on four Georgia radio stations, and then we go to every podcast platform. And we've had you know, almost a thousand guests come through. We have a full, you know, 52 minutes of show. We record in a radio studio, usually at WGAU in Athens, Georgia. So it has been really cool just to uh, grow our podcast, really grow our knowledge base and help Georgia consumers understand how this stuff works. Well, you know, Tim, uh, the one thing we now have in common with you is when we have a, a local guest, we too tape inside a, um, a radio station. We're inside the ESPN studios where Greg also works on uh, in sports math when he has his own show. So uh, we do have that in common. But my man, welcome back to the show. I know you and I exchange notes on, on Twitter every so often. And so I always, always appreciate hearing from you and uh, always glad to repost uh, anything you ask me to. So uh, you're, you're a good gentleman and uh, a friend of the show. So I appreciate you for joining us today. The big thing I want to get to is uh, with regards to in Georgia, the new plant that just came online two years ago as a good part of our conversation. And now it's reality. Why don't you take it away from here and kind of tell us, you know, we have a, a lot larger listener base than we did in the past. Why don't you tell us from when you traveled, if I remember the story right over into Germany or somewhere in Europe, looked at nuclear and how you ended up where you are from then to where how you ended up today. You know, I went to Germany in 2012, really, to look at their solar and wind. Germany had fallen out of love with nuclear energy, and they were, after Fukushima, determined to close plants, which they did immediately upon the Fukushima accident. And then they set a timetable to close all the rest of them. So, you know, it's been a difficult road for Germany as they've ramped up distributed generation and shut down base load power, you know, they've really relied more on coal than they ever have. I, I did go to China to see their reactors because they're building uh, Westinghouse AP1000s just like we are in Georgia. They finished theirs before ours. So it's been, you know, great seeing those come online and we finally got our uh, unit, unit number three online uh, at 100%. Uh, it's gotta be in, service for 30 days before we put it into Georgia Power's rate base, but then unit four is right behind it, should have that online, you know, by the end of the year. So it has been a long and torturous and winding road as we've endured even uh, a Westinghouse bankruptcy to make this plant happen. Well, uh, you talked about the, the unit number three and then unit number four. I think I read where each unit supplies 500,000 households. Is that correct with power? The so two that? units together, um, 2,200 megawatts supply 500,000. Oh, both um, together. So, yeah, it. so it's about a million, uh, about, you know, really about um, a sixth of our energy in Georgia is going to be coming from nuclear. I mean, this is this is going to be the largest nuclear plant in North America. So, so. It's quite an accomplishment, and I, I know I get uh, people all the time go, but but look how much it costs. But, you know, I, I saw this year, because of this Ukrainian crisis, 
in just two years, we got out of the money on natural gas $3 billion. That else, that's how quickly we racked up debt for natural gas that we hadn't accounted for. So in the scheme of things, I really think Plant Vogel is going to be a bargain uh, over over its 60 or 80 year life. It's, it's been it's been tough to build, but I'm so glad that we stayed on track. Well, you know, you took my next question by answering the 60 to 80 year life about, you know, when you take that math into the lifespan of a nuclear plant, is it really as expensive as everybody thinks it is, right? It's more front loaded, isn't it? Yeah, it, there's so many good things about nuclear. One, you have to create a decommissioning fund and you have to fund that along the way. Think about it. No, There's no coal plant that has a decommissioning decommissioning funds sitting there ready to take care of all of the the coal ash or anything like that the same with natural gas or you know or with solar or wind so uh, nuclear is the most scrutinized type of energy that we have but i think it's also you know the the most highly regulated and the most cost efficient well um, if there was a scale of the cleanest energy it would rank right up there towards the top also wouldn't it yeah, I mean, you've got you've got zero carbon, you know, emissions at the plant. I mean, pump storage is is probably the cleanest that you're ever going to get uh, because it's just water being pumped back up. And of course, the Swiss and Europeans have perfected that uh, over there. I wish we had more, uh, but you know, hydro and you know, in these big states, you know, Washington, Oregon, Canada, that's really clean. But in the South, where we have no oil wells, where we have no you know, coal ash, I mean, uh, coal mines or natural gas wells, you know, nuclear is, you know, is, is right right there at the top. So uh, since, you know, that was the bigger, big project for you, what kind of projects do you have upcoming into the future that you're starting to talk about also? You know, I, I decided to start a hydrogen energy brain trust, uh, reached out to our U.S. senator, who's a Democrat, and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Would you like to do this with me? And he said yes, uh, and he's really big into the hydrogen hub, uh, you know, effort uh, in Washington. This is uh, U.S. Senator John Ossoff, the youngest U.S. Senator. And while we're in different parties and disagree on, you know, uh, you know, some issues, we really have come together on hydrogen because of the massive federal incentives that we're seeing on hydrogen. I mean, there's there's a lot of difficulties to getting hydrogen. Uh, anything done, whether it's fuel cells or running it in a pipe or, you know, using it at a plant. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of difficulties, but when you've got grants and money coming down at 80% of the project, you just got to look at it. And Georgia, you know, we really love to attract new businesses to our state. We're always open for economic development. And I think all of the constitutional officers from the governor down to me, you know, we really want to roll out the red carpet for companies, and we are attempting to do that with hydrogen. Companies like Plug Power that's already set up a hydrogen manufacturing facility. Chart Industries, a Scandinavian company that makes the tanks, right, from the small tank that would, that would have argon, oxygen, CO2, um, hydrogen to the big tube trailers. They manufacture all of those. Um, then we've got companies like Delta, Home Depot, Mitsubishi, Hyundai, uh, others, Arglass, uh, a Japanese glass company, 
it's just so much interest in hydrogen right now and we we really want to try to grab grab some of that business Tim, I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about when you talk about these projects and that interest in hydrogen, when it comes to your staff at the Public Service Commission, we've talked about your title, the vice chair, and you mentioned working with a U.S. senator there. But how about the people below you? I mean, what's your communication like with everybody on a daily basis? And, you know, how wide ranging is that communication in terms of how many people you're talking to? Yeah, well, I mean, we've got about 85 staff, and I don't think any of them are interested in hydrogen at this point. I mean, hydrogen is still very much a fantasy, I think, in a lot of people's mind, and it's going to be federally driven. So I don't think our state commission or our state's going to be that involved with it until there's some real projects out there. I mean, obviously, you have to have a different kind of a pipe uh, because that hydrogen molecule is very small. Um, and you, know, you can't put it in a methane pipe. Uh, I think if we were gonna do hydrogen fueling, it's a lot like LNG, liquefied natural gas or CNG. So I, I, I would think our gas company probably would be involved. Uh, and then you know, with that type of thing, if like UPS or others wanted to use hydrogen in trucks, I mean, we're actively trying to get a hydrogen fueling station in Savannah right now. Think about it, Hyundai, which is building an electric car factory, they make hydrogen class A trucks and they're running them in California. We want them to move some of them to Georgia to run Dray, uh, Dray trucks to go back and forth from the port to their factory, which is only 20 miles. And we're, and we're actively working to get a hydrogen fueling facility set up and that's about $10 million. It's not cheap to do this. Well, you know, Tim, if you do get a fueling station set up, You've had about every alternative fuel vehicle known to man in your last 15 years of life here. Now that you had to figure out how to go get a hydrogen one once that gets started, huh? Hey, I've already figured it out in California. And my daughter lives in, lives in Anaheim. A Californian can buy a $100,000 Lexus hybrid right now, the $22,000 grant and then the dealers are marking it down seven i had a friend out there that bought one he bought a hundred thousand dollar lexus uh hydrogen fuel cell vehicle in the end for ten thousand dollars brand spanking new with a fuel card that gives him six years worth of hydrogen six years of fuel now there's only a couple places to get it and you can't drive it out of the state but I'm going to my daughter and say, please get me this hydrogen car. You wow. drive it for a while, and then I'm going to bring it to Georgia as soon as we get something to fuel it with. Well, that's a great plan there, actually. And then you start taking it out on your road show. I assume you still do the Clean Energy Road Show, right? Yeah, the Clean Energy Road Show, four stops in Georgia this year, Savannah, Augusta, Albany, uh, and Peachtree City. So this is our 13th year doing the Clean Energy Road Show. Well, that'll be exciting if you pull up in that hydrogen Lexus <laughs> in a year or two. That would be that'd be some kind of kick, wouldn't it? Well, you know, as hydrogen is getting all the big buzz around the country and around the world, as you talked about, I think that's the right direction looking forward. What about the topic everybody's also talking about is ESG and ESG scoring for corporations? Is that really something that... Um, Georgians are, are focused on also like some of these other states or is that uh, kind of still back in the winds and not really come forward yet? You know, as Republicans and Republicans run Georgia, 
you know, every constitutional officer is a Republican. I mean, we do have two U.S. senators that are Democrat, but uh, and our legislature is completely controlled by Republicans. ESG is not really something we're talking about at a state level, uh, but there are plenty of companies, Fortune 500 companies in Georgia that, you know, it's important to them. And I think all of us who are serving in Georgia, we want to help our companies. You know, if they need to check this box, hey, we want to help them check the box. Uh, we want them to stay here. Think about how hostile California got toward companies like Toyota and Nissan and Tesla, running them out of their state. I mean, Nissan went to Tennessee, Toyota, you know, went to Texas and, um, um, and, uh, and, and Tesla, you know, took off to Texas. We, we don't want to be hostile towards business. So even though our Republican leadership may not necessarily agree with, you know, ESG in principle, if, if our citizens care about it, well, then, then we care about it. You know, uh, Tim, you've mentioned your citizens. I just want to get a general feel for your, uh, you know, how embedded you guys are in every county and, and, and how well you talk about some of those, the roadshow trips, just in terms of really uh, the boots on the ground element of what you guys do. Uh, do you feel like the entire state of Georgia has a good pulse on what you guys are doing? You know, I think there are plenty of, of really left-leaning you know, particularly white liberal constituents in Decatur, Athens, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, that would like us to do more, that would like us to have a more California type of philosophy with, you know, with net metering or, uh, you know, maybe getting rid of gas stoves and this kind of thing. But Georgia's really not moving in that direction now uh, with our current leadership. So I think we, we want to move forward with clean energy, but we're doing it probably slower than than maybe left-leaning folks would like us to do. I mean, we're still going to be sixth in the nation and install solar in, in next year. I mean, that's not bad. Uh, I mean, we are striving to be the EV mobility capital of America, you know, with a Rivian plant and a Hyundai plant and club car and easy go and the EV9 being made here. That's not bad. You know, we are the only state that's built nuclear power, uh, you know, in the last 30, 35 years, that's not bad. I mean, so, I mean, what's wrong with us? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, just because we're not doing crazy things and contorting ourselves into a pretzel, you know, uh, and doing things that don't make good common sense, it doesn't mean that we don't care about these issues and that we're not moving forward. You know, Tim, <clears throat> When you talk about you're basically a Republican state because most of the senior officers are Republicans. You got a couple of Democrat senators, but mostly in Republican views. Uh, when we talked about ESG, what you just said to answer Greg's question with regards to being ranked sixth in the United States and all the different happenings that you have going on in the clean energy space. Do you ever get any controversy or feedback from other Republican states that are not doing what you're doing as to why you're doing it? You know, Alabama next door, uh, Commissioner Odin, um, he and I, you know, give each other a hard time. He doesn't really like electric vehicles and he kind of mocks them uh, over in Alabama. But look, Alabama Power is owned by the Southern Company and the Southern Company is all in on EVs. Um, so, 
you know, South Carolina, you know, they they're catching up. North Carolina is ahead, I think, ahead of all of us on uh, on a lot of the, the clean energy policy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Republicans, uh, you know, are, are are coming around on solar, but I think in general, they still are pretty negative towards electric vehicles. I mean, you heard what President Trump said the other day that his first day in office, he's going to repeal all the clean energy, you know, incentives for electric vehicles. And uh, obviously, he carries a lot of people with him when he says that. So I think EVs have a long way to go. And there's a lot of problems with them with, you know, with from the range, and I've had six of them, right? I love EVs, but a third of our destination chargers are broken in Georgia. I, I just, I just feel like EVs are not ready for prime time quite yet. And you know, I would agree with that. And because our society, they don't want to travel, pull up to a charging station, have to take thirty minutes to an hour to to charge up. That's just not what our society is meant to do. And so, if you're going to a restaurant, you're going to sit down and eat. That's one thing, but they usually have like one or two plugins outside that you can do it in. So till they can fill it up faster, I think they're going to continue to run into roadblocks. We've got to be able to refill faster. And I'm not quite sure how we're going to get there on that personally. And, and, and that's why we don't need to poo-poo the hybrid. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a person just getting a hybrid. I, I know that those that are purist, you know, with EVs, they they kind of mock the Prius now and mock mock hybrids. But when you think about a person maybe that was driving a gas Corolla or Camry and they moved to a Prius or you know a, a Camry hybrid and you've almost double your fuel economy right and, and and you've got a vehicle that's no longer spilling the kinetic energy from the brakes which gas cars spill that energy they don't utilize that uh, but all hybrids utilize regenerative braking uh, I mean why is that a bad thing I mean even if even if we never used another fully EV uh, ever in America, if we just kept moving towards hybrids, we're going to we're going to save money. We're going to save fuel. And you, and if you think about buses using that, and now trucks using that, I mean, even race cars are using that. Hybrid technology has been perfected, and there's no need for us to abandon it quite yet. You know, I love that you said that because that's the way I lean too. Is I love the hybrids. Okay, so for the listeners out there that aren't sure exactly what a hybrid is, that does not mean you put gas and electricity in. Uh, Tim, you want to explain to them uh, how the hybrid operates? Yeah, you think about the very first hybrid that was around the Prius. You know, uh, uh, but everybody's making making them now. I mean, no matter what brand you're loyal to, I mean, it's it's basically you know your traditional gasoline engine with a larger set of batteries lithium ion batteries not lead acid batteries your car still has a lead acid battery to start it and to run a few things um, but then special brake pads that put that kinetic energy off those brakes into that battery so that every time you press that brake you're charging that battery so you know i mean regenerative you know energy I mean, that's a good thing i mean if you're driving a regular gas car when you press the brakes you don't get any of that kinetic energy so by moving up to a hybrid uh, you not only capture that but you're saving money and saving fuel tim thank you for that 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 is uh terrific for everybody to get to know that and uh i'm spot on with you with regards to that uh, 
Actually, Tim, my man, I don't have much else for us. You've covered, we've covered a lot of topics today. We got right to the point. And as always, just like on episode 10, you're a phenomenal guest and you are always welcome on the Green Insider. Hey, after you listen to the Green Insider, go and subscribe to my podcast, which is Energy Matters with Commissioner Eccles. Energy Matter Matters with Commissioner Eccles and just subscribe to it. And so every time you listen to the Green Insider, uh, it'll load up my podcast and you can listen to it next. And also visit him on Twitter at Tim Eccles. At, at Tim Eccles, that's right. Yeah, There he is, Tim Eccles, the commissioner of the, or excuse me, the vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission. We appreciate your time, Tim. From Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. As Mike said, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast from, because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day. And we were responsible for today's lesson. That'll do it for this edition of the Green Insider, powered by e Renewable. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next time on the Green Insider.